Good Monday morning, and welcome back to The Daily Buzz. I'm your host, Dayton Olander. As the U.S. Supreme Court looks poised to overturn the Roe v. Wade ruling this summer, abortion rights are increasingly in the spotlight. Reporter Becky Jacobs joins managing editor Grant Burningham to discuss the experiences of four Utah women who have had abortions. Becky, thank you for talking to us today. Thank you for having me. So this is a very powerful article. I'm wondering what your takeaways were with these four women's stories. The biggest takeaway is just how honest and open and brave these women are. You know, their interviews were emotional, but they were very open with everything that they were sharing. And I'm still thinking about things that they said. And all of them, there were worries of sharing their stories of what pushback they could get, but they all thought that this was an important perspective to share as the Supreme Court may overturn Roe v. Wade. And I think it's important to hear from them themselves about their experiences. And so that's why we did this story. Briefly, can you summarize why each one of the women in your story ended up having an abortion? Sure. Um, So we have Kayla. She's had two abortions. Hers were both kind of contraception and personal life situations of what she was dealing with. We have Jenny Smith. Um, She had an abortion when she was 20 weeks pregnant because she learned she had a condition that if she kept going with her pregnancy, she and her baby were going to die. So she had to get an abortion. Then there's Kelly who had an abortion in 1988. She was just barely 18 and was not ready for a child. And so she described having to walk past protesters and going into the clinic. And then there's Nina Earl who had an abortion in 2019 after some She's had some high-risk pregnancies, and so this one at about 11 weeks, they learned their baby had trisomy 13, and so her husband and her had to make the decision of what to do, and they ended up terminating the pregnancy. Utah has a law on the books which will go into effect the moment that Roe v. Wade is overturned. How many of these women could have still gotten an abortion under that law? Just from... What I'm hearing and thinking, I mean, Jenny Smith comes to mind because hers was a life and death situation. And one of the exceptions in the trigger law is for the life and the health of the woman. Nina Earl also, she had her her abortion at just before 13 weeks, but she, her doctor submitted her case to a medical ethics board who basically gave her permission that she could terminate throughout her pregnancy. Um, She could keep going if she wanted, but they gave her this kind of permission to be able to terminate. And so that maybe could be a situation that comes up, but I think that's something we'll have to see in the future. One thing that struck me with this article was this was not an easy decision for anyone, um, even the women whose lives were at risk. Can you talk a little bit about the emotional stakes here? Yeah. I mean, Kelly says it in the article, no one takes this lightly. And um, Kayla said, no one wants this to be their story. And so I think um, they still thought it was important to share though, that this was their decision and their choice. And so they all have some fears thinking about what they've experienced and, and how that could play out with other women if Roe v. Wade is overturned and access to abortion changes. Roe v. Wade means that women in the state can currently get abortions. How many women in Utah end up getting an abortion? In a recent story, we looked at the data. So the most recent data from the state is from 2019. 
over the past few decades, the number of abortions in Utah has gone from about 5,000 in 1990 to just under 3,000 in 2019, but we wanted some more recent data. So I reached out to Planned Parenthood Association of Utah and Wasatch Women's Center, um, who are the two main abortion providers in Utah to, to find out what their numbers were from 2020 and 2021. So this isn't a complete look yet or an official look, but what they told me is that at their facilities from those two organizations, in 2020, they performed 3,037 abortions. And last year, there were 3,388 abortions. So if we're looking at their numbers, that would indicate that abortions have risen a little bit in the past couple of years. With the Utah trigger law, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, will there be a criminal penalty for doctors who perform abortions, for people who provide uh, abortion medications, or for women who receive abortions? So when you look at the trigger law and how it's written, it says a person who performs an abortion in violation of the section is guilty of a second degree felony. And then it gets into, you know, they could take action against the clinic or their license. So from my understanding of the bill, the, the woman wouldn't be penalized for having an abortion. It looks like it's focused on the doctors. And this week, Governor Cox did say that he doesn't think that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, that Utah should put in more restrictions. He seems content with the laws that we have already passed in Utah. And he said he doesn't think that the woman should be criminalized or penalized for an abortion. Okay, Becky Jacobs, thank you so much for talking to us. And thank you for your reporting on this topic. Thanks so much. You can find all of Becky's coverage on abortion rights issues at sltrib.com. Next, reporter Caitlin Bancroft walks us through some new data from the Utah Clean Air Partnership showing how Utah and its residents are doing at improving the state's air quality. If you're idling your car, you're in the minority in Utah. Research from the Utah Clean Air Partnership shows that 75% of Utahns report never running their car while it's not being driven. The Utah Clean Air Partnership, or UCARE, began in 2012. It's a nonprofit that educates Utahns about air quality issues and provides grants which help organizations reduce their emissions. Utah could use a few less emissions. In 2019, the state emitted 19.2 metric tons of energy-related carbon dioxide per person, compared to the U.S. average of 15.7 metric tons per person. Salt Lake, in particular, is known for its notoriously bad air quality, visible every winter when the inversion traps pollutants in a hazy smog. Thanks, Caitlin. Education reporter Courtney Tanner published a story Friday that details a Utah mother's days-long ordeal of trying to locate her stolen son in 2020. After 48 hours, the baby was reunited with his mother, Emily Winston, who is now suing the kidnapper as well as Iron County School District, which she says released her oldest daughter to a stranger without her permission, helping to precipitate the entire incident. If you want to read Courtney's full report, head to our website, sltrib.com. And in our final bit of news, COVID-19 is back on the rise in Utah. Last week, thousands of new cases were reported, and Governor Spencer Cox and Speaker of the House Brad Wilson tested positive for the virus. Both have been fully vaccinated and were reportedly experiencing mild symptoms. And that's it today for The Daily Buzz. I want to thank Managing Editor Grant Burningham for editing this episode and give a big shout out to local band The Pelicans for providing our music. We'll be back bright and early Tuesday morning.